Read Smart, the Bailey Gifford Prize for Nonfiction podcast. This podcast is generously supported by the Blavatnik Family Foundation. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Read Smart podcast, which is generously supported by the Blavatnik Family Foundation. I'm Razia Iqbal and since our last episode, the world has changed quite a bit. In this episode, we're joined by insiders from the publishing world to hear about trends in non-fiction and the world of books. And we have a stellar cast. Andrew Holgate is the literary editor of the Sunday Times. Helen Conford is co-founder of Particular Books and publisher at Profile Books. And Georgina Laycock is a publisher at John Murray. I should mention that given how much the world has changed, we are recording this episode remotely with everyone calling in from their own homes. Andrew, Helen and Georgina, a very warm welcome. Uh, Let's start by getting an overview from, from each of you. I mean, it may be that your answers are identical, but I think it's interesting since you come at this from a different angle. Let's talk about the current trends in nonfiction, if it's possible indeed to talk about trends. Given that you are a literary editor of a national newspaper, Andrew, let's start with you. Okay. Um, well, I think the the first thing to say is that things have got a lot more serious in the last few years. That um, <clears throat> uh, that there's publishers are concentrating from from what I see. Publishers are concentrating less on mass market fi- uh, nonfiction, and they're moving very much into uh, the more serious end of the market. Uh, that I think is partly because of uh, the uh, growing health of Waterstones under James Dord, which has had a huge impact on the market. So you've seen publishers like W. H. Allen and uh, Trans World suddenly uh, move from mass market much more into uh, what you would, I suppose, called light, um, sort of uh, light literature, um, sort of uh, things like the. Um, Yuval Noah Harari book, Sapiens. And from my point of view, that is an absolutely wonderful thing. So I I would see that as the main trend. There are lots of sub-trends, which we can talk about, but that seems to me to be the main thing that's happened in the last few years. Okay, so things are becoming more serious. Uh, I would say that uh, Profile Books and John Murray are pretty serious publishers. Uh, Georgina Laycock, how would you how would you define uh, the trends that you're seeing? I think it's one of those things of as we're told that experts aren't necessary anymore. I think the the kind of the trends of a market have shown that experts are more important than ever before, and that authors like the authors of sort of serious nonfiction books can offer the answers that people are looking for. I think, you know, I think definitely as a publisher, I don't know what Helen would say, but sort of years, years ago, it felt as if maybe the book was under serious threat by the Internet. And the fact that you could obtain information so easily when you wanted to find out something, a fact of some kind, meant that people might not be turning to books anymore. But actually, I think quite the reverse has happened and that people, they use the Internet and then they kind of they go on these trails after knowledge that are just really, really inspiring. So I think it, it's been, it's an amazing area of a market to be working in. So I can see why Transworld and all of these other very savvy publishers are sort of muscling in suddenly because <laughs> it's the best place to be. Helen Comford, would you concur with that? It's the best place to be? <laughs> I think it's definitely true that um, it's the, you're always, you have the sort of sense with nonfiction that every, there's kind of, everywhere constant change it's 
definitely a more competitive place to be now because so many more publishers are, are working in it. And I, I agree with Andrew that a lot of that is to do with with Waterstones. I, the interesting thing with the sort of seriousness and the experts, the thing which I would probably add is that there's something about personality which is mixed in with that because I think there's this really interesting thing where it's sort of books, the ones, the books that are really connecting, um, if it's not the sort of light literature narrative space, I think it's a lot to do with, even in the sort of realms of psychology or, or history or science, it's to do with that. So it's something to do with self-help. Um, and so you can see books like Why We Sleep, you know, that Matthew Walker's book, it, it's really partly about the science and it's also this sense that it might change your life. And I, I think that that is part of what's going on as a, as a broad trend in nonfiction. Let, let's talk about the, the, the way in which uh, the commissioning of nonfiction might be affected by what we're experiencing at the moment. I mean, there have been so many articles and, and so much on social media uh, in the current crisis about um, how if you've got nothing to do at home, you know, you can start writing that book that you've always wanted to, to, to write, which terrifies me as a reader of books that that's what everyone's doing. I, I just wonder, uh, Georgina, do you do you sense that there will be a huge amount that will come out of uh, this particular time? Or, or, or does there have to be a distance between between a, a real crisis moment and and how it's processed and how it's filtered and, uh, and dealt with by writers, it's should they choose to deal with it? Well, I think it's one of those things where we're sort of slightly behind Italy at the moment, and there's already been a really a solid trend in Italy for sort of instant books about the coronavirus. So I think it you can see that people are they they're using this time to reflect and to write. And you know, I guess kind of anecdotally, at least four of my authors over the last couple of weeks have suddenly come up with new ideas for books. So <laughs> I welcome it. It's been it's been a really great process. I think we've been we've almost had the time to engage in talking about ideas generally and to discuss proposals at, you know, in, in the kind of depth that we wouldn't be able to normally. Helen Comford, is that something that's happening with you too? A, a, a writer's getting in touch saying, I've got this amazing angle on, on what's happening at the moment? Um, yes, I think that there are lots of books coming, coming in, um, lots of discussion about um, what, what can be added, you know, what's instantaneous, if something is instant, what does it add to the kind of co constant level of news and discussion and comment that is coming through newspaper outlets and, and every other kind of online space? Um, there will, I'm sure, be books that are the books of this time, but whether they're going to be written within that period, I don't, I don't know. Um, it's sort of, I think it will be authored by, it will sort of come down to the authors. Um, I think it's also, you can see the kind of self-help side of it. So people doing, you know, books about how do you parent in this period? How do you, you know, educate your children in this period? How do you breathe? Um, there's So I think it is kind of spiralling through that sort of more, again, I suppose, that sort of mix of ideas and argument and then into the kind of practical aspects you know books with practical outcomes too yeah pretty so. short shelf life for something like how to how do you how do you get through something like this though don't you think 
I mean, yes, that's the interesting challenges, I think, for publishers right now is you're, you're trying to work out what people need right now. Is it actually everything that's already been around for a long time? You know, you know, I saw that there's sort of for the first time since 2008, I think, that fiction is was sort of up and nonfiction was down and people were looking to the classics, you know. Um, so there's sort of, I think they're kind of, the balance of, sort of quality, uh, quality readership, longevity, all of those things are really quite challenging to judge at the moment. I mean, they're always, you always have to judge them. It's always challenging and you get it right or wrong, but the, the kind of conditions in which those decisions are being made now are quite unprecedented. Um, and that, that's interesting. I, I wonder, uh, Andrew Holgate, what what you make of of what you're hearing? Because I mean, I I've been reading that there's a the, the argument I suppose is what what do we need in a time of crisis? You know, do we need to really try and understand and make sense of the now, or or do we want to be consoled and comforted? I mean, I I was reading the other day that there's been a real increase in the sales of the Greek Stoics, for example, and obviously lots of people are turning to poetry too. So I I wonder about that 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 balance and where 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 the the mix has to has to come out right in terms of how we then look back on this time uh, as a real shift in our culture. Oh, well, <clears throat> several things in there, but I, I do I, I, it definitely it has changed. We can we can track some of uh, what people read of our articles, and um, uh, initially it was all just coronavirus, and they wanted nothing else but. And we actually had a drop of interest in books in the first couple of weeks. Um, articles about books. Now they seem to want to crime fiction, um, science fiction is becoming huge, that sort of sense of otherness and uh, taking us away um, from what is happening now is certainly something that's happening. I've noticed there is a, 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 a much increased hunger for just plain, getting back to normal and plain serious history books, uh, for instance. Um, so I, I feel that people have sort of righted themselves at the moment and are just looking not necessarily at things that uh, will explain the world as it is today to them, but um, they're actually just going back to their old habits, but with even more um, force. As to the future, I have to say I slightly, uh, as a literary editor who has to juggle things and uh you know doesn't want to have 15 books about one subject as we have had with uh medical memoirs for instance in the last few years uh this crisis does present me with a few problems and I, my heart slightly sinks when i hear georgina talk about four authors already talking about um uh sort of lockdown projects and I, it's inevitable that we will be inundated uh with books about it um uh, there will be personal uh memoirs uh and there will be there will possibly the most interesting will be um the strategic books about uh, about how it will change our worlds and the cultural books but um it is inevitable i'm afraid and uh for me it's a question of judging it so for instance so we don't you know at the moment so we don't have too much coronavirus material uh, and that will be very much what it will be like in the future as well georgina did you want to come in there yeah, I just wanted to say, I think maybe maybe I came across wrongly. The the authors I was talking about, I think they're using this time to think about new projects, but they're not coronavirus projects. I think it's just more about that having 
a chunk of time where they're sort of taken out of their their sort of their work and then being able to think about things in a more it's the gift of time. So don't worry. <laughs> I'm not going to be suddenly sending you six books on coronavirus. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I I wonder also about this um this idea of of just making space to 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 read books. You know, Andrew, you were saying that that people wanted nothing but coronavirus for a, for a while because, of course, that's what was preoccupying all of us and continues to. But but there is also this argument about uh, this be, living in this moment of uh, of real change. We've never seen it before in our lifetimes. We we you could argue that we're in a state of of mourning and sadness and and that makes it harder to concentrate on something long form certainly for for myself i've i've been turning to short stories and poetry much more than than reading a big non-fiction book or even a novel it's very it's very striking uh, the the sudden surge in interest in uh, poetry books i have to say it really is i mean we've uh, you know just at the sunday times we now have um <clears throat> john Kerry, our chief uh uh, literary critic is doing a poem of the week uh, J- across at the Times. James Marriott is doing some something, and there are all sorts of outlets where poetry is suddenly being um, uh, taken up. So that is very striking. And I'm I also I I've barely read a thing. I have to confess this last three or four weeks. I find it incredibly difficult uh, to concentrate on uh, uh, on the longer form. It, it is really interesting, that isn't it? I mean, uh, Georgina and, and and Helen. I wonder, Helen first. I mean, are you are you finding the same? I mean, all all of you are just immersed in the world of books, and I, and I wonder how you are personally responding to to just the art of reading. Um. So I my um my context for that is partly that I have two uh, young children, uh, two and five. Um, which adds a whole is adding a sort of interesting uh, kind of piece into the into the reading. Um, I I'm finding um, you know sort of like most other people that that if if you're in a situation where you're lucky enough not to be you know either facing the facing the disease directly or um you know kind of living with the more kind of strong economic or social consequences of it directly immediately that there's been that it is that sort of you're you're in shock and then you start to come out of it and then where do you go um i've been finding it very interesting reading jenny offill um because i think she writes in a way where it's long form but it's in these kind of compressed paragraphs um and it's it sort of you can read it in smaller pieces um, and finding that 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 is helpful because it, it's difficult to sort of. I think what's interesting is a reminder that that sort of ability to read at length is also the, the physicality of that and the sort of what that means about kind of how you're sitting or how you're breathing. All of that is built into it and it's kind of taking the space for that. And I think that's where things which are shorter form or written in a shorter form style at length become really, you know, uh, I can see why that responds to that. Or you read something like crime fiction where you're completely immersed in plot and it just draws you along in that kind of way. Uh, Andrew. Sorry, I have to agree with that about the shorter form, uh, the longer form uh, broken up, which is a trend actually that has been happening uh, in in nonfiction and fiction for for a while now. But a perfect instance of that of a book that does that is uh, Craig Brown's biography of the Beatles, one, two, three, four, which is a series of 
151 mini essays, sometimes only a page long, uh, which uh, sort of uh, forms a mosaic about um, the Beatles and is is perfect for me, actually, to be honest at the moment, uh, and I'm loving it. And but that does speak to a wider uh, thing that's been going on be beyond the coronavirus, which you could talk about it being something to do with the uh, the internet, shorter attention spans, etc., etc., which uh, all, all with an impatience with the uh, with the general forms that we've inherited, that uh, people are experimenting with them much more and breaking them up much more. Um, uh, in biography, for instance, uh, memoir, uh, which I find quite exciting anyway, as a broader principle. Let, let's talk about memoirs, because, I mean, it, it, the, the, they have figured quite a lot in uh, the long list and short list of the of the Bailey Gifford Prize. And, and they, they are a way of uh, a different way of escapism, of leaving your own life and, and engaging in, in another's. I mean, I wonder if I wonder if we you can see uh, this. Is, this is a question really for, for, for Georgina and Helen, you know, the, the, the trend of, of people being so interested in in a really well written life story i was thinking about deborah ors and 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 how how well that is already doing i think that's completely true i mean i, th I think one of the it's almost like looking at how memoir and autobiography has changed over the last 10 years and sort of 10 years ago it was all celebrity memoirs and celebrity autobiographies which weren't necessarily written by the celebrity and i think now it's it's all about Sort of that authentic connection with somebody's life that actually tells you something that it's sort of it's, it's less than you know it's, it's almost like ordinary people can be experts who can sort of guide you through life it's, it's going back to sort of what helen was saying before about people looking for that self-help element from books which i think has been something that has been it's been a constant trend but i feel it's definitely sort of coming into its own during this crisis Andrew, did you want to come in on that, on the issue of memoirs? I think the rise of the memoir is a really, really interesting aspect of um, book publishing in the last 10 years. It clearly, uh, it clearly parallels the rise in the interest of the self and our, own, all our obsession with self. It also, I think, talks to the way that fiction, the, the old um, uh, strictures about fiction have broken down. So you have many more um, short story novels now than you used to, for instance. There's much more impatience with the old forms of fiction. And I think in a way, a lot of fiction has transmogrified, uh, the, the desire for what you get out of fiction has transmogrified into memoir. And memoir is doing a lot of the same job uh, that fiction has done in the past. And you get a corresponding... Uh, um, I think uh, there are many few, many fewer mem uh, biographies around now as well, and I think um, that is very much a balance between uh, the rise of the memoir and, and the uh, and the fall of the biography. I mean, I am interested in 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 the the places where memoir goes into something much larger. You know, people like Philip Hoare and um, and Helen Macdonald, who you know, who both won the Bailey Gifford, but but they located a, a personal story in in the exploration of something uh, something much bigger, which really resonated with readers. I mean, partly also because they were 
fantastic pieces of writing on on nature, which, which brings me to my my next point about this whole idea of of what we reflect on in moments of crisis. We this is this we can't compare this moment to any other moment really. People people continue to try to, but in our lifetime we've never experienced anything like this. And I and I wonder what what each of you would have to say about. The things that people are turning to, whether it's uh, reading or whether it's whether it's engaging in 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 nature, because all of these things are are part of what will uh, percolate and become part of our culture post lockdown, post the coronavirus crisis. I think for, I'm speaking to you from the seaside at Kent, and and I think it's sort of one of those things of realizing this sort of quieter life that we're living it's sort of having a much greater connection to nature. I feel like I've never seen birds before um, or heard them sing. And I think there's just that, that, that feeling of actually almost, it's like, like being hungry and then sort of suddenly really appreciating the world around us. And I think that's something that will really come. I mean, the, the book I've, I've found, I've actually been reading a lot of field guides to birds. <laughs> I, I've got a nine-year-old son who's completely obsessed with the, the world of nature but like understanding where we're coming from and I think that you know that that kind of people wanting to learn more and to connect with things that are real I think that that's that's sort of something that's definitely helped me a lot over the last few weeks. Helen? I suppose um I mean I I've published quite a lot of um books in the past that kind of link to nature or, or the environment or the climate crisis and I, I think it's really interesting what will come out of this period culturally because I think that is when you you sort of dive back into the kind of bigger you know kind of macroeconomic social cultural currents and which direction things are going to to go in and what what's that going to look like because we are we are sort of suddenly seeing nature as this resource or you know certain people are seeing nature as this resource and yet how is that going to be reflected in the kind of economic packages or you know responses that come out so there's there's things in that where I I think that it's kind of I'm I suppose that's where I sort of show my colours in terms of where I imagine that my trend in certain kinds of reading and thinking will continue to be quite political at the end of this because I think that relates to relates to sort of what the parameters are of um of how we can think it's sort of um and I I feel that those are the kind of some of the bigger books that that or you know arguments that will come out of this um you know from different from different writers um and that that interests me um you know sort of where what you're saying like what is the world like after after and and some of that's in our hands to to decide both at the personal level but also how that relates to what's going to happen politically andrew yes i think there's interesting things about uh, the environment and uh, global uh, the global warming crisis one is that uh, i think at the beginning of the coronavirus crisis uh, the, the the amount of interest just in our paper on uh, the environment fell through the floor no one wanted to read about bad news and um so i think that's something that publishers will have to um take on board uh, going forward uh, and i think i think that i think the 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 sense of uh, of growing sense of nature that we are all feeling uh, is something again will feed into the future. I think also that sense of us of community and us p- all pulling together to change things 
um, will will definitely inform um, or should inform uh, the debate uh, uh, as we go forward. I, I feel as though there is um, things have changed quite dramatically in terms of our uh, our sense of community versus our atomization, and 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 that will be extremely positive. The other thing I think will uh, that I'll be looking at uh, there will be I I can guarantee there are never ever there's never ever a dearth of Second World War books, but. Um, the, the parallel between 1940 and uh, and now is already being hammered. Uh, there will be endless parallel books uh, between um, what is happening now and uh, other crises in the past and how history uh, reflects uh, and illustrates what we are going through now. And I'm sure uh, some of that will uh, you know, pop up. Let, let's let's just uh, let's just end by throwing it forward in in the more immediate future rather than uh, the post coronavirus uh, landscape. Uh, Andrew, let's stay with you and and um, why don't you tell us uh, a, about a book or maybe two books that you're most looking forward to uh, reading, or, or if you've already read them, two two nonfiction books. Okay, well uh, the, the Craig Brown I'm absolutely loving. He's he's so funny. He's so crisp and clever uh, and. Uh, um, so that's the Craig Brown one two three four his book about the Beatles, which um, uh, is in the bestseller list. Um, I'm really looking forward to. There's a couple of other books I might mention coming up in three books actually very quickly. One is Fall the Last Days of Robert Maxwell by John Preston, which I just think will be absolutely fascinating about Robert Maxwell and his death. And um, uh, there's the second volume of the William Fever book, The Lies of Lucian Freud, um, which uh, manages to be both uh, wonderfully gossipy and very, very well written. And uh, Hermione Lee's uh, biography of Tom Stoppard, I think that will be fascinating as well. Oh, wow, that I'm looking forward to. <laughs> that that really will be great. And of course, um, um, the, the first volume of the Lucian Freud was shortlisted uh, for the Bailey Gifford. Georgina, what are you looking forward to? Well, um, in fact, I've been doing a lot of editing here. So, I mean, there is a book that I've been editing called Burning the Books, which is written by Richard Ovenden, who's the, the, the head of the Bodleian. Um, that is a sort of, it's it's an alternative history of the last 300 years of civilization. But the idea is that sort of, as long as people have written down information, there have been other people who've been trying to destroy it. And so it's it's sort of like this, this sort of alternating thread of history. Um but you know we're all on, we're all on the side that's trying to preserve information. But it's sort of realizing that there are teams of explorers and archaeologists and scribes who've been doing the same kind of thing that we've been doing. So it's kind of it's a really empowering but frightening manifesto for why knowledge is so important. And so that's been I so I've been sort of working on this over the last few weeks, and it's it's been very inspiring. So that's going to come out in September. Sounds wonderful. Helen, what are you looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to uh, Owen Jones's new book that's coming this autumn, um, which I think is sort of looking at kind of the hopeful future of, um, you know, certain political movements. Um, and then I there's actually a, a book that we were you know, in profile already publishing uh, that's coming this autumn that in the way that Andrew's talking about relating, you know, kind of from the Second World War to, to now that I'm looking forward to other people reading because I think it's this incredible uh, sort of narrative synthesis that looks at it as the kind of founding myth and how there's kind of language around that helps or hinders us called Britain at Bay by Alan Allport. 
Um, that is uh, all we have time for uh, on this episode. Uh, I want to thank Andrew Holgate, literary editor of the Sunday Times, Helen Comford, co-founder of Particular Books and publisher at Profile, and Georgina Laycock, publisher at John Murray. Thank you all for overcoming the technological hurdles that we've all had to. Um, really, really lovely to hear your thoughts and your reflections. Um, do join us next time. We'll be discussing the challenges and joys of writing nonfiction. The Bailey Gifford Prize, just a reminder, rewards excellence in nonfiction writing and brings the best in intelligent reflection on the world. Hallie Rubenholt, winner of the 2019 prize, has shot to stardom with her book, The Five. It's worth a read if you have got some extra time on your hands during the lockdown. Look out for the 2020 longlist this September and the shortlist is coming in October. The winner of this year's prize will be announced on the 19th of November at an event which is generously supported by the Blavatnik Family Foundation. And to hear the latest news from the Bailey Gifford Prize for Nonfiction, do sign up to the newsletter through the website and follow at BG Prize on Twitter and at Bailey Gifford Prize on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again to the Blavatnik Family Foundation for their continued support for this podcast. Till the next time. Bye bye for now. Read Smart, the Bailey Gifford Prize for Nonfiction Podcast. This podcast is generously supported by the Blavatnik Family Foundation and produced by Four Communications.